I don't know about you, but I grew up in a book-heavy household. Stories were pushed into my hands by the time I could string words together, and over almost 20 years, I've cultivated a very specific taste. I'm a little picky. I can't help it. My tastes have always been very tailored, and I always seem to lean towards speculative fiction, specifically science fiction, horror, gothic fiction, and fantasy. Basically, I love weird. Some of these favorites include The Girl with All the Gifts by M.R. Carey, which spotlights a young zombie being rehabilitated in a post-apocalyptic world, or Dark Matter by Blake Crouch, where a scientist grapples with the repercussions of choosing home life over a career of successful reality-bending accolades. I lean more in fantasy for lighter reads, such as Where the Mountain Meets the Moon by Grace Lin, which is a fantastical journey inspired by Chinese mythology and folklore. And if I'm being honest, it's a children's book. I read it when I was a child. I still really like it. It's a good, you know, if it, if it perseveres over the test of time, it's a good book. Anyways, there has always been one book that stuck out and reigned supreme over 10 years after my initial reading. In Jeff Vandermeer's 2014 novel Annihilation, you never learn any of the characters' names or many of their backstories at all. In fact, most of them die before the halfway mark. Nothing is plainly explained, and I remember finishing it for the first time feeling very jet-lagged. Even now, after reading it a solid 11 or 12 times, I uncover a new detail with every reread. It's overwhelming, near-surgical with its fantastical detail, and easily my favorite book of all time. The book opens with the narration of The Biologist, our main character and one of the four all-female members of the 12th expedition exploring Area X, an environmental and possibly slash probably extraterrestrial anomaly on an unnamed coastline somewhere in America. Like I said, nothing in this book is plainly explained, especially right at the beginning. You are dropped right into the action. Area X is overseen by a government agency called the Southern Reach, which also lends its name to the trilogy of books that Annihilation falls into, uh, Annihilation being the first one. And by the end of the book, you seem to realize that the Southern Reach knows just about as much about Area X as the expedition members who are being dropped in pretty much blindly. The biologist is joined by an anthropologist, a surveyor, um, there was going to be a linguist with them, but she dipped out right before they went for reasons that are also not explained. And the psychologist, who is their leader, and she leads them into the colorful, strange wilderness of Area X. Even without anecdotes of her lonely childhood spent observing abandoned ponds and tide pools and marrying a husband out of pure societal expectation, it's clear from the jump that the biologist is a little different, to put it nicely. When they come across stairs spiraling into the ground that the other women call a tunnel, she sees it as a tower, with them at the very top of the tower descending down into the ground. What also sets the biologist apart is her prior ties to Area X. Her husband was a member on the 11th expedition, who returned unannounced in the middle of the night and died of cancer shortly after. Before his return, everybody on that expedition was presumed missing, just purely because of how long they were gone and once you're inside Area X, you can't have any contact with the outside world. So once they missed their mark to return back to the border, they were just all presumed missing. But everybody on that expedition showed up in the same way that he did. So they just all popped up in the middle of the night, just out of the blue, and then 
they were home and then they died. But the biologist and her husband had a very interesting dynamic. Me once again saying interesting to make up for maybe using different words, but he was, he was much happier on the feeling side of things than she was, but she still loved him a lot. She loved him very much. She's just a very solitary person. At one point in the book, she even says, my husband knew how much I hated words like love. But like the things that she does love is she loves her biology work above everything. But again, doesn't mean she doesn't love him. She was just more of a logical, analytical than a more of a right brain person than her husband was. I mean, she loved him enough to go into this uncharted, potentially slash definitely killer wilderness to try and understand what's going on inside of it purely out of, you know, fascination because it's an absolute jackpot of an environment for a biologist, but also because of she wants to see how it changed her husband, how it changed all of these people. When the biologist and the rest of her expedition go down into the tunnel or the tower as she calls it, and honestly for the rest of this, I'm just gonna call it the tower. She calls it the tower, it's the tower. So they go into the tower and on the walls, the stone walls descending down the stairs, they find cursive writing. But the thing about this writing is it appears to be organic. It's plant-like, it's spongy like moss, and it's overcome with these tiny organisms that look like tiny golden hands. So the worst, that's not even the worst part. The worst part is the script is very rambling and sermon-like, and it starts out where lies the strangling fruit that came from the hand of the sinner, I shall bring forth the seeds of the dead. So yeah, that's a little jarring, not just for the biologist to see immediately going into this unknown area. So she, unseen by her team members, she tries to get a closer look at this script, this organic material that seems to be writing on the walls. And when she puts her face close to this writing, she inhales a burst of spores. And she assumes that it's nothing, it's just something that happens when you get close to, you know, organic things like this. But when the psychologist eventually takes control and just is like, okay, we need to go to base camp and leads them out of the tower, they get to the top, they sit down, and she says a hypnotic trigger word to trigger hypnosis. And the biologist realizes that she's immune. So whatever this spore is that she's inhaled has made her immune to this hypnosis that she didn't even know that they had been programmed with prior to their expedition. But she plays along so she doesn't seem suspicious and they all just go and set up camp and turn in for the night. But in the morning, the biologist is very, very aware that her senses have become incredibly supernaturally heightened overnight. Everything is even more vibrant than it was the day before. She can hear every little thing in the wilderness around them. However, there's one thing that she and the rest of her teammates cannot identify, the anthropologist. Now, the psychologist claims that the anthropologist told her early in the morning that she was leaving, she was going back to the border, but the biologist and the surveyor just immediately do not trust her. They do not believe that. So without the anthropologist, they go back to the tower and the psychologist claims that she is going to stay at the entrance of the tower while the biologist and the surveyor go down. 
So she is not proving herself to be the most trustworthy member of this expedition. She is seeming a little shady and the biologist is incredibly wary of her. And the surveyor is too, even though the surveyor doesn't even know that she's being hypnotized. But then again, she's their leader. She seems to know the most about Area X. She seems to have the closest ties to the Southern Reach. So it's kind of just like, well, what are we gonna do? So they go down into the tower. This time in the tower, with this heightened sense, these new eyes that the biologist has been given, she sees that the stone walls of the tower are not stone. They're not stone at all. They appear to be living, breathing tissue. It's alive. Everything around them in this tower is alive. But the surveyor can't see it, only the biologist. And this is another thing that she is attributing to the inhalation of the spores. But together they have this horrific moment while they're going down realizing that the writing is, well, written by someone or something. This suspicion is confirmed when they come across the body of, you guessed it, the anthropologist. The psychologist was a damn dirty liar. The anthropologist came back to investigate in the middle of the night and ran into what the biologist calls the crawler. This is the writer of the script. And she, you know, she never came back. So the biologist and the surveyor are very rightfully freaked out and return to the top of the tower. And guess who isn't there? That's right, the psychologist. They look for her a little bit, but honestly, not that hard because at this point, would you be attached to her? They're definitely not. So they just return to camp. They don't like her. So they have some tense conversation, and while the biologist is looking at some samples that she got from the tower, specifically from the writing, she's seeing a genetic makeup that she's never seen before. On top of that, right before she goes to bed, she sees that the light has been turned on in a lighthouse in the distance. It's a coast, remember? There's a lighthouse. So she goes to bed, she wakes up with that similar sensation as the night before, that this the spores, the inhalation of the spores, has given her what she calls for the rest of the book a brightness. So there is a brightness inside of her. And even though it's foreign, she doesn't understand it, she's not scared of it. It's actually a little calming, it's grounding to her. Funny thing, it gives her a little bit of confidence. So she decides to go and hike out to the lighthouse while the brooding surveyor and her many, many guns stay behind. So while she's hiking, she encounters completely unfamiliar flora and fauna, most memorably including a dolphin with a human eye whose description haunts my dreams. I have never forgotten the description and the imagery of a dolphin in a river with a human eye. That is very frightening. Finally, she gets to the worn down lighthouse and after finding a trap door next to the light itself, she finds a secret room full of journals like floor to ceiling, just a pile. And when she's investigating these journals, she realizes they're from past expedition members and they're full of all of this information. And she's finding out very quickly that there are many more expeditions than just 12, like way more. They're dating back a really, really long time. And while she's looking at these journals, she finds her husband's journal and she doesn't read it quite yet but she takes it and she gets the hell out of there. And who does she find bloody and battered at the base of the lighthouse? The psychologist. 
Now she sees the biologist approaching her and she freaks out because at this point, the brightness that is inside of the biologist is now outside of her and she is full on glowing. And the psychologist, she tries to induce the biologist into a hypnosis suicide by screaming, annihilation. Now of all of the, oh my gosh, that's the book title moments I've encountered in my life. This is by far my favorite. It's this panicked, high tension, confusing moment where you're getting caught up between wondering what the heck happened to the psychologist, being incredibly creeped out by all of these journals that you've just seen, realizing that everything that you thought you knew, you don't know, and being very creeped out that there was a suicide trigger word programmed at all. And this reflection of connecting this phrase to the title and going, oh, it's phenomenal. It's, it's insane. Now, the biologist is trying to calm the psychologist down, try to get any useful information out of her while she's very, you know, clearly dying. The psychologist lets it slip that the border to Area X is expanding into their world. But the biologist doesn't even have time to question or process this because the psychologist dies right after that confession. And then, on the way back to base camp, the biologist runs into this horrific, moaning, disfigured boar creature that has a human skull and human teeth, and she escapes that, but after escaping that, somebody ambushes her and pulls a gun on her. Congrats, you have seen the surveyor again. And she is also absolutely terrified of the biologist because she's glowing and she feels like something is really off with her. So they have a little shootout, but the biologist's newfound glowy, spidey senses give her an advantage and she overpowers the surveyor, killing her. The biologist is now the only surviving member of the 12th expedition into Area X. Once again, it's been three or four days and everybody is dead except for her. So good for her, but yikes, Area X, not to be trifled with. But she doesn't really dwell on all of this trauma and disorientation, and once she gets back to base camp, she gets right to work analyzing more of those samples, and she finds almost all of them have human cells, including the animals, including the plants, all of it. Now it's at this point, once this has crossed over into her work, she starts getting really freaked out. So she picks up her husband's journal. Her suspicions of there being expeditions that came before them that they were not told about is confirmed after reading that her husband's expedition was 11G, implying that there were six previous 11th expeditions, and who knows how many before that. She learns that his expedition lasted a lot longer than hers, but after his team split up, it devolved pretty quickly from there. He and his expedition surveyor went out to explore the land beyond the tower and the lighthouse, leaving a few other members at each location. And they figured out pretty quickly that Area X did not appear to have any kind of horizon or ending point. It just, just kept going and going and going. To be safe, they came back, finding that in the time they were gone, their psychologist had been mauled and resurrected and all of the other guys had turned around and murdered each other. And that was only at the lighthouse. When they went to the tower, they saw doppelgangers of their whole team, including themselves, going into the tower. At this point, 
Him and the surveyor are like, okay, absolutely not, and decide to split up before they kill each other, each going in opposite directions to try and get that heck out of there, even though they just figured out that there is no definite coast of Area X, despite it being a literal coastline. The journal ends there, and the biologist just immediately packs up all of her stuff and returns to the tower. She needs to figure out what's going on. She needs to see the crawler face to face. And eventually, she does. It's this giant being of light and dragging limbs and imperceptibility, and yet somehow she knows that it used to be human. It's even more full of light than she is, and she nearly dies in its presence. But it lets her live. She's at the very bottom of the tower, in front of a door, but she cannot go through it. She just can't. So she gets back up, she goes back up to the top, and she stays in Area X. And that's the end of the book. That's the end! She's been sucked into this crazy, impossible environment that defies everything she's ever grown to understand, and she decides to just stick around and go out looking for her husband. It's bizarre. It's absurd. And yet, I completely get it. I think her entire character in this final act can be summarized in one quote of hers. Perhaps my only real expertise, my only talent, is to endure beyond the undurable. Because isn't that what she's doing the entire book? Her whole life? She endured a lonely childhood, a rigorous career, a marriage with someone she loved but never truly was understood by. All that enduring has prepared her, and yet it pales in comparison to what she endures in Area X. Eventually, she's not enduring. She's just living in it. She's grown accustomed. Maybe, just maybe, she even learns to like it a little bit, to grow comfortable with it. I feel like it's hard to come up with a conclusive thought for a book that's as strange as this one, especially when I love it so much. I think it's also hard to give it a conclusion when the book itself doesn't ever really reach a conclusion. Area X never ends, and the biologist has become part of all of this incomprehensible eternity. I read this book for the first time when I was in middle school. I'm halfway through college right now, and I'm still not done thinking about this story. And I think that's a part of why I treasure this book so much. It's had the power the whole time, and you don't realize until it's too late. You can't be done with it until it's done with you. Thank you so much for listening to my retelling and my summary and review of Annihilation by Jeff Vandermeer. It is so much fun to be able to talk about my favorite book and just spin everything in my own words. And luckily for you, if you would like to read this book, and you want a little bit more insight into the Southern Reach and the people that are behind this expedition and maybe even previous expeditions, there are two other books in this trilogy. The first, the sequel that comes after Annihilation is called Authority, and then the final book is called Acceptance. The rest of the books are told in completely different points of view. Authority is told from the point of view of Southern Reach, Nepo Baby, Extraordinaire, um, John, Control, Rodriguez. And then the third book is told through many different points of view, including the lighthouse keeper, um, the psychologist, what the biologist maybe even becomes. It's, they're all completely wonderful reads, and I cannot recommend them enough. And once again, thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoyed.